This is The Takeaway. I'm Tanzina Vega, and I got a question for you. How do you define American food? Typically, we think about, you know, the hot dogs, the hamburgers, the barbecue, uh, pizza. And, um, you know, my mission, I guess, is, has always been to let's expand that definition. That's chef and writer Edward Lee. And all this week on The Takeaway, we're exploring food in the United States. And Lee, born to South Korean immigrant parents in Brooklyn, who now owns restaurants in Kentucky and Maryland, has spent a lot of time thinking about what American food really is. In fact, he spent two years traveling across the United States, meeting people and eating food that makes up most of our nation's culinary landscape. To me, American food is the luxury of diversity. You know, what what we have in this country is something so precious. I can wake up, have a Jewish breakfast, have an Indian lunch, and have a Mexican dinner. You don't get that in, in very many countries around the world. Lee's new book is called Buttermilk Graffiti, a chef's journey to discover America's new melting pot cuisine. And I asked him how he came to take this cross-country journey and what he found along the way. So, you know, I grew up in, in, in a neighborhood uh, near Canarsie, Brooklyn, which was very diverse, right? Jamaicans and Indians, and but also Italians and Polish. And um, I just grew up eating international food, um, not thinking anything of it. It was just, that's just what you ate. That's I thought the whole world was like that. And I had a restaurant in New York City when I was in my early 20s. And uh, 9-11 happened, and it forced me to sort of look at things very differently, and um, I lost my restaurant. And for the first time, I thought, you know what? I could actually go out and discover this thing called America, uh, which I had never really knew about, because growing up in New York or in Brooklyn is not typical America. So I went on these different road trips, and uh, lo and behold, I ended up in Louisville, Kentucky. I drank some bourbon. And I decided to make it home for the next 16 years. So I started to eat country ham and biscuits and gravy and fried chicken and collard greens and all these wonderful foods of the American South that had such a long and twisted history, a very complex cuisine. Um, And I started to go, I I love collards, but I kind of want to add kimchi to it. And I love barbecue sauce, but I kind of want to add fermented Korean chili paste to it. I didn't do it to to sort of force the issue. I just kind of thought, hey, this tastes good to me. And, and <laughs> little by little, people also started uh, thinking it was good too. So uh, I just continued down that road. And so uh, I, I sort of, I've become the chef that has sort of incorporated, you know, a lot of different experiences from my history um, in my food. So I really, you know, tell people like, I don't know what kind of cuisine I cook. I just cook the cuisine of my life, my history. You know, it's part Korean, it's part global, it's part Southern. Now, I actually have been to South Korea. I lived there for about a month, many, many years ago. When I came back to the United States and ate Korean food here, I noticed, wow, this isn't the same. Do you see similar, like, sort of um, interpretations of meals or food, whether it be Korean food or other types of food that you think, hmm, what happened there? How did, how did things get lost well, along the way? Listen, there's no traditional Korean food in America because we're using American beef and we're using American chili peppers and we're using American products and we're forced to sort of modify the, the, the food for a different audience. Authentic Korean food only exists in Korea. Once it winds up on these shores, um, people have to improvise. They get influenced by their neighbors. They might find that they like American cheese on top of, you know, pulgogi. 
as as any chef or any artist will tell you, like food is not static. It doesn't, you know, belong in a mausoleum. It it, it transforms. It evolves. It always is is making you know uh, uh, modifications, and that's what happens. That's a great thing that happens when food comes to this country. It just grows and evolves, and eventually it ends up looking very different from the food of the homeland. Um, and I always say, like when I think about American food. I just think about anything, anyone who's ever come to this country and cooked and couldn't find an ingredient and improvised with something else is cooking American food, but looking at it through a foreign lens, right? So you're cooking American food, but with a Korean lens, or you're cooking uh, a food that's American, but with an Italian lens or a French lens or a Nigerian lens. You know, all these, all we do is to struggle to preserve something of the cuisine of our homeland while at the same time we're trying to assimilate with what's happening in this country. And that's an experience that is very unique to this country. I also find it interesting that sometimes the food is accepted before the people, if you will, are accepted. Mexican food, if you will, has sort of become part of the quote-unquote American food culture, right? Tacos uh, mm-hmm. everywhere, mm-hmm. taco trucks. <laughs> um, and yet we have this, this uh, cognitive dissonance, I think, between our love for all food Mexican and this bizarre tension with people who are of Mexican descent or who are immigrants? Oh, 100%. What I've always found interesting is that when we when we write about high-end cuisine, we speak about the chefs in very human terms. They're very glowing, they're very warm, very personal um, writing. And when we talk about tacos or pho or, you know, falafels, um, we generally find a list where it's like the 10 best tacos you can find for under $5. And we never talk about the people that are actually cooking those tacos, even though there is a human being cooking those tacos. And so part of my, my... thing with the book was that I wanted to see if there were stories out there. I wanted to find the actual people that cooked these humble foods that we all find that we love, but we never really want to get into the people that cook the food. I'm wondering also about uh, something that I see in New York a lot, and I'm and I'm sure we, you see it around the country, is also the gentrification of food is what I'm calling it. And mm-hmm. what I mean by that is taking, um, you know, a taco or a food item that is from a, a community that is not yours, essentially, and repurposing it, maybe making it gl- more glam, usually means making it smaller and more expensive. What are your thoughts on that? Food has always been appropriated. Food has always been, and you know, shared and stolen and and inter intermixed. This is part of the history of cuisine. Um, there's no cuisine that has existed in isolation. So when we gentrify food, yeah, it's an art. We we are elevating it into an art form, and it happens with any elevated art form. People have been complaining or 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 lauding this about music um, for. for time beginning. I do believe there's room for both. What happens is as we gentrify food, as we take it out of its original context and make it pretty, um, it becomes that much more important to actually go back and look at the history of that food. Edward Lee is the author of Buttermilk Graffiti, A Chef's Journey to Discover America's New Melting Pot Cuisine. Edward, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. And you can find some of the recipes featured in Edward Lee's book, along with all of this week's food coverage at thetakeaway.org slash American Food. And we want to know, what's your relationship with food like? This is Jessie calling from Philadelphia. 
I'm from Peru, and there are a few Peruvian restaurants here in most of the U.S., but there are some popping up, thankfully, in big cities. And some of those big cities, though, because Americans still find Peruvian food a bit foreign, are including uh, more familiar items from other Latin American countries. My name is Barry. I'm calling from Minneapolis, Minnesota. My family comes from Eastern European Jewish background. My childhood was filled with blintzes, kasha varnishkas, lots cream cheese and bagels, latkes. As an adult, I eat a lot of food from around the world, Asian, Indian, East African, Mexican food or a regular part of my diet. This is Andrea, and I'm calling from Elkins Park, Pennsylvania. And cooking has become a creative outlet in a structured life for me. Not that dinner time isn't dinner time, but I can freestyle more at the stove than I can at my desk. Hi, this is Doris from St. Augustine, Florida. Our cooked meals are usually chicken or steak on the grill, potatoes or rice in the microwave, and salad from a bag. I wish I were more adventurous, but we're both basic eaters, and I think that's kind of uh, the extent of my talent. Tomorrow, we'll talk more about food gentrification and how that's playing out in the United States. On Notes from America, we have conversations with people across the country about how we can truly become the nation that we claim to be. Each week, we talk about race, our politics, education, relationships, usually all of them, because everything's connected. And you, our listeners, are at the center of those conversations. I'm Kai Wright. Join me on Notes from America, wherever you get your podcasts.